0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. I'm excited for many reasons. I'm always believing that we're always, everyone in this room is here for a reason. Everyone's here. God sees you right where you're at. He knows you're here. He has a purpose. All those good things. I believe in that kind of stuff. And uh And I just believe that God has something for you today. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to Matthew 26. We'll be getting to that in a few minutes. We are in week 41 of our teaching series, Jesus. He changed everything about everything. And uh, we told you already that we'd be wrapping up around week 50. But honestly, I feel like we can just keep going. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's so much to say. We have just scratched the surface of Jesus, and there's a lot more to say. So we're thinking about just, we might just keep going. Anybody cool with that? (laughs) Um, I don't know. It would be a lot easier. We wouldn't have to make a new graphic. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just so easy. So anyway, we're talking about the teachings and the encounters of Jesus. And um, many of us are reading through the Gospels, as I just mentioned. And a few nights ago on Monday night, we had a prayer um, meeting here. It was at 8:30. By the way, if anybody wants to show up for prayer at 8:30 on Mondays, um, you can do that. But we were praying, and I asked, "Has anybody read math or Mark 9 and 10, which is the reading that day that I was in?" And it was so cool because there was like this. Everybody's like, "Yeah, I totally read that today." And I was just loving the fact that there are so many of us reading the Word together. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the reading plan. You may be behind. You may be ahead. You may be wherever. But it was kind of fun though to have this moment of unity. You know what I mean? This moment of going. Oh, wow, like we all read the same thing on the same day together. And I just believe that's one of the works that God is doing in this church. He's pulling together and drawing our hearts together in a deeper unity for what God's wanting to do, not only in our lives, but in our church, in our city in this time. And uh, by the way, the reading we had read that day was about having a kind of faith. You know, all things are possible for the one who believes, which I love that, that, that truth that we get to remember but I am seeing and sensing not only unity in our church, but just so you know, I feel like there's a heart of unity sort of rippling through our city right now. I've seen more conversations, heard more things among ministry leaders and churches and organizations, which we're all wanting to lift up Jesus. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's a very, very, um, not only good thing, but it's a thing that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Like, we are... Uh, in this together, and it makes me think of Ephesians 4, and I know you guys have already got to Matthew 26 if you open your Bible, but I'm just going to read this, Ephesians 4 starting in verse 12. I read this last week, but it says, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach, say it with me, unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I love that this is what we are leaning into. We are leaning into unity, but what what kind of unity are we leaning into? We are leaning into a Jesus kind of unity. You know what I mean? We are leaning into Jesus. We want all that Jesus will give us. We want all the Spirit will give us. Amen? I mean, this is where we are. This is our heart's cry. So today we're in Matthew 26, which is a tough chapter, by the way, about the state of our humanity, because in this one chapter, all sorts of things sort of, start to go awry. Um, In this chapter, the plot really forms against Jesus, where the religious leaders are ready to take Jesus out. Judas uh, agrees to betray Jesus. Um, Jesus is eventually arrested, put before this bogus trial. Uh, All these sorts sorts of false accusations are thrown at him. People actually spit in the face of Jesus. People actually use their fists to punch the Son of God in the face. This is all happening in Matthew 26. And all the while, the disciples are in disarray. They are not quite sure what is going on, and some of their most epic failures happen in this chapter. And it's one of those places that, um, those are just some of the highlights, by the way, of this chapter. Matthew 26 shows us one of the sides of our humanity, the one of our mess-ups, our struggles, our confusion, our doubts, which, by the way, this is another point of unity, isn't it? that we all sort of share, that we are messed up. Raise your hand if you've ever messed up in life. Very good. Look at the person next to you and I'll say really boldly, you are messed up. <laughs> some of you enjoyed that way too much. You're looking at somebody you're like, this is my chance. And there was some conviction and passion in that. And, uh, oh my goodness. Um, Together we share in our shortcomings, we share in our struggles and our weaknesses. And at the center of this messed up chapter of Matthew 26 is, is Peter, this disciple, right? Uh, and many of you already know much about Peter. Peter rises up among the disciples as, of course, the leader of them. And he was outspoken, passionate, bold. And then oftentimes he was this guy, I mean, he, he courageously had the faith to do things. He had this, this faith that seemed unmatched, at least by the other disciples, but he also had moments where he was full of fear. He was full of faith and full of fear all in the same moment. Anybody, anybody sort of relate with that? Where you're like, oh yeah, I'm all in, but I'm totally afraid. Um, we went to Disney World uh, last year, and <clears throat> we rode one of the world's greatest rides, I believe it is. It's called Pandora. Anybody with me? And it's an amazing ride. It's new, all this kind of stuff. But the thing that's interesting about this ride is... They give you all sorts of warnings that you probably shouldn't ride this ride. They give you a pamphlet when you walk in line. They're like, hey, here's the warning signs, or here's, here's what you're about to encounter. Then there's all these announcements coming on, like, hey, don't ride this ride if you're prone to motion. Don't ride this ride if you, you know, easily startled. Don't ride this ride if you might pass out. Don't ride this ride if this might kill you. This is what it's saying. <laughs> And so as you get to the ride there's a lot of intensity built up because you don't know what you're about to get into and you're thinking I'm about to strap myself into something that I may give my life for. And so anyway, we're on this we're we're, we're in this line and, and my daughter, my oldest daughter, Emily, this one. She she uh she's about to get in and Leslie Cook is with us and and Leslie looks over to her and there's like this magical tears rolling down Emily's face. Because it's Disney, right? Everything's magical. And uh, it's a Disney magic tier. And and, (laughs) and, and Leslie's like, do you want to do this? Are are you okay? And she's like, no, no. She's like, do you want to do this? She's like, yes. (laughs) Which is, I mean, we are full of faith and fear all in the same moment, aren't we? We are full of like, I'm all in, but I don't know if I want to do this. Full of faith. Lord, I believe you can do anything but I'm also so afraid that you'll actually do something. We ask God for more, but maybe if we're really truthful and we admit it, we're like, Lord, give me more. But if I ask for more, we're afraid of what more might mean. Because for a lot of us, more means, like, we're smart enough to realize, like, more actually could mean change. More actually could mean my life will look different and change who we are, what we do, and even even what I believe. So we fear that God may do something that we currently put in the category of strange or rare or not for me. I was excited to hear a story the other day from someone in our church. She was sharing how God had done something that in previous to this moment was rare, strange, and not something ever done with her. She had a dream that she woke up from, and it was like clearly a moment, right? And it was a prophetic dream, and she knew that the Lord had given her a picture that she was supposed to go share with someone, but she didn't want to do it, right? That's, that's strange. But she felt compelled to do it and had the courage to go and share this dream that this person was about with that person. That person then received it and was encouraged significantly by this and God used her in a way that was a supernatural sort of uh, different experience in which now she has been changed by and just so you know I mean this is just a small example but just so you know speaking prophetically through a dream isn't all that unusual for God or it's really not anything for God that's no big deal what we see as miracles and supernatural at times are very normal, everyday types of things in the kingdom of God. So what if God did something like that in you? Or what if God just used you to be an instrument of salvation? where many people come to know Christ through you? Or what if God oriented your life to his purposes in such a way that you had to explain to others why Jesus has changed your life? I mean, what if that sort of... Because that's when we ask for more... We're afraid of what might happen, right? What if Jesus is actually changing what you care about? And the things that you care about are actually the things that you dream about. So therefore, you're actually going to change the things you dream about. And if you change the things you dream about and the things you care about, well, guess what? Everything about what you do will change. Because if Jesus changes what you care about, he's going to change what you dream about. And then you're all about something else. Are you with me? So let's look a little deeper Because what if God changed your destiny? What if God changed everything about everything for you? Let's look a little deeper into Matthew 26. Specifically, I want to look at Peter within this chapter. We'll start in verse 33. Most of this will all be on the screen, but verse 33 says this. Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. And all the other disciples, they vowed the same. So already we see a problem, right? The problem I mentioned last week was the problem of overconfidence, That sometimes we have so much confidence in ourselves, and here's Peter saying, Jesus, seriously, come on. I mean, come on. Look, look, who are you talking to? It's me, Peter, you know, the guy you called the rock. This is who you're talking to? I got your back, Jesus. Don't worry about me, Jesus. He's like, yeah, right. Skip down to verse 37. The problem gets a little bit deeper, because obviously Peter has a bit of a pride issue here, right? He's like, oh, this could never be me. Verse 37, problem gets a little deeper. He takes Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with them, and he began a sorrow, to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, "My soul is over, this is Jesus, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell to his face to the ground, and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is an amazing passage. We're not really getting into what Jesus is praying here, because it's Significant, by the way, and amazing. But then he returned to his disciples, and we're talking about Peter a little bit. And he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watching me for one hour? He asked. Who did he ask? Peter. Peter. Couldn't you? He asked Peter, "Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak." So we've talked about this passage a lot over the last years. We've talked about prayer. We talked about can we even pray for an hour? That that sort of thing. Well, then he goes away a second time. Verse 42, this is Jesus going away. My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. <laughs> totally relate. I'm in. I see it right now. No, I'm kidding. Um, so he left them, and he went away once more. and He prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping? And resting. Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. So here we are in the thick of it. And just so you know, we didn't read it all, but the disciples should be fully aware of the significance and the weight of this moment. They totally get it. They had already had the Last Supper. Jesus has been telling them, It's coming, it's happening, it's happening. And, and here they are falling asleep. Peter, his leader, his confidant, his friend, can't help but fall asleep on him. Even after he says, hey, don't go to sleep. He falls asleep again. Unfortunately, Peter's not done. Matthew 26 just keeps getting worse. You think you think the person next to you is messed up? Like, Peter's the king of the mess-ups, all right? Verse 50. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for a sword, drew it out, and struck the servant, the high priest, cutting off his ear. Now, Matthew, we're reading out of Matthew, and Matthew's trying to be nice here, and he's trying to protect Peter, and he calls him a companion, right? He's like, oh, one of the companions. He doesn't, like, call him out. He doesn't point the bloody sword at Peter and like that dude right there, but John, on the other hand, the disciple whom Jesus loved, he never pulled any punches on Peter, so if you go to the book of John, John's like, oh, it was Peter. <laughs> Peter. Peter did that. Jesus then says, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw on the sword will die by the sword. Do you, do you think I cannot call on my father? And he at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. By the way, that's a phenomenal thought, right? A few verses later after the bloody ear incident, which, by the way, Jesus heals the ear as he does, so on brand for Jesus. He's always, like, showing off. He's always like, look what I can do. I am the son of God. Anyway, he, does, he heals the ear. Well, then Jesus being arrested, and then in verse 56, it says this. What did they say earlier? Oh, we'll never, we'll never desert you. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Just a few verses earlier, Peter says, I would never do it, and then they all vowed the same, right? Here we are, same night. They all deserted him and fled. They left Jesus there, of course, to face this by himself, We believe in you, Jesus, but we fear change. We believe in you, Jesus, but we fear conflict. We believe in you, Jesus, but we might just run when it gets hard and scary. We believe in you, Jesus. We will sit at your table and enjoy your company. But in the next breath, we may hide in the shadows. This is humanity. This is why Matthew 26 is so real. And the chapter isn't done. The chapter ends with Peter's ultimate lowest point he denies jesus on three occasions we know the story i'm not going to you know unpack it too deeply but he's full of fear he's like i believe in you jesus but i'm also afraid i want to get on this thrill ride but i'm but i also don't with each denial the intensity grows by the way in his first denial in verse 70 he sort of plays the ignorant card, sort of like, I'm playing dumb, so to speak. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, this is, When the servant girl points him out, as one of the disciples, it says this in verse 70, but he denied it before them all. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, who Jesus, Jesus who? I don't know what you're saying. Never heard of the guy. In his second denial, he was, it was more intense. Verse 72, he denied it again with an oath. An oath. I don't know the man. Now, an oath in this culture was an attempt to be as truthful as you could possibly be. You weren't just promising your word. An oath was actually swearing to God. So this is not good news, Pete. (laughs) You just swore that you didn't know the man. And then sadly, it gets worse since verse 74 on his third denial. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crows. So meaning Peter's like, blankety, blank, blank, blank. I don't know the man. I mean, this is, this is honestly painful to read, isn't it? I mean, it's like, I, for me, it plays out like a movie in my head. I'm like picturing this moment. And I'm just thinking, man, like we are seeing Peter just epically fail. And this guy wasn't a failure, by the way. This guy had some great moments in his faith. But you read this, and you see this moment, and you've got to remember, this is who Jesus chooses. Jesus chooses Peter. This is who Jesus invites closest to him. This is who Jesus never gives up on. This is who Jesus calls his friend. So maybe one of the things we're going to learn from this chapter is that if you keep messing up, it only gives the opportunity for God's love to abound more. <laughs> and this is the good news of the chapter. In Matthew 26, Peter believed in himself more than he believed in Jesus. He fell asleep on Jesus. He cut a dude's ear off. He ran away and deserted him. And, of course, he denied Jesus three times. Yet Jesus is about to take this messed up person, and he's about to do something with him. Jesus is going to look at Peter, and he's going to call Peter up. He's going to crystallize the focus of Peter's life. He's, going, he's about to release Peter into his destiny, Peter, of course, like I say, he has these huge failures, but he's also not this complete failure. He's had these amazing moments. He's the guy, you remember, he dropped his nets. He walked away from his career to follow Jesus. This is the guy who, of course, got out of the boat when all the other 11 stayed in the boat. He's the only one that did. So Peter has these truly high highs, but he has these low lows. It's kind of like he's got this up and down life. Anybody else have an up and down life? Anybody else have an up and down life? Yes, we all do. We all have this up and down life like every one of us does. And I have stories in my life, and I know you do too. I have stories of breakthrough, right? But I also have stories of breakdown. Not like I broke it down, but like breakdown, like missed swings. You know what I mean? Miss swings, failures, denials, shame. I have those stories. Don't you have those stories? A few weeks after all the events of Matthew 26 occur, I'm sure Peter was unsure where he stood with Jesus. I mean, are they still friends? Do he and this group of disciples, do they still have a purpose? And Jesus has a moment with Peter where he calls him up. John 21, many of you know the story. Jesus reinstates Peter over breakfast. He recommissions him. He releases him into his destiny. He intentionally asks Peter... A question. You remember this question? He asked this question, and it's really a statement of his identity and his purpose. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Of course, Peter responds, of of course, Lord, you know I do. Then he says, well, feed my sheep. Then he asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Then then feed my sheep. Then he asks him a third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Well, then feed my sheep, and he follows it up and follow me. So in a metaphorical kind of way, you could see this as almost like Jesus is leading through him through an act of repentance to say, I want you to reclaim your identity. You denied me, but do you really love me? Yes. He does it three times. Every one of them He's like, repent, repent, repent. And then he releases, releases, releases. Go feed my sheep. Go take care of my people. Go lead my church. That's what I want you to do, Peter. I want you to go and do what I've called you to do. He's calling Peter up. He doesn't look at Peter, and he doesn't look at his failures and his weaknesses and his struggles and call him to less as a result. He calls him to more. Jesus calls him to more. Jesus wants to give him more. And so often in life, people make mistakes. You and I, we've made mistakes. And either we do this to ourselves or people do it to us. We think those mistakes causes us to deserve less. Maybe the one who's failed, like, we need to step back. Especially when it comes to spiritual, our spiritual life. If, like, we do something that's just really like, oh, man, I totally messed up, we back way up. We go, ah, I got to sit on the bench, I guess. And people look at strugglers and weakness, people that have weakness and people who have failed, and, and maybe we move on past them. We go, oh, yeah he really messed up there. Yet Jesus, Jesus looks at us and he says the thing, same thing even after our moments of shame and denial and absolute failure. And he says, do you love me? And if you're like, yes, yes, I do. He's like, let's go then. Let's get after it. You ever had a moment when you've been called up in life? When someone looked at you and called you up, they're like, listen, it's time to step up, step in. Let's do this. Anyone seen the movie Mighty Ducks? (laughs) Mighty Ducks fans. Okay, three. (laughs) I got a quack. I haven't got one amen, but I did get a quack. Ducks fly together, you know what I'm saying? Great critically acclaimed film, should have won Oscars. <laughs> a, few will remember, a few of you will remember the turning point in this movie. Some of you won't because it's been too long since you've seen it, but I'll remind you of it. Gordon Bombay, the coach played by the great Emilio Estevez. <laughs> and his ducks, right? They're at the low point and Gordon is about to throw in the towel, Rocky IV style. When Hans, do you remember Hans? He's the owner of the hockey store. You guys remember Hans? He's the owner of the hockey store. He gives Gordon a talk. When Gordon's like, I don't want to do this. He gives Gordon a talk and he says, he reminds him of his love for hockey. He tells him to share that love for the game with his young ducks. He calls him back to his first love. And the rest, is history and the flying V inspires a generation, right? And I'm joking a bit, but in some in some ways, we all need to be called up. When we're about to throw in the towel, we're about to say, Ah, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. We need someone to call and it would be great if we all had a Hans, by the way. But sometimes it's just a good old fashioned church or a friend or God Himself. We have to be told that God has more in you and for you. I remember when I was 22 years old, a mentor of mine, <clears throat> he told me this. He said, and I'm going to make sure I say it right, but he said, Tim, your job is to become an irreplaceable part of the team. Give your all so we can't exist without you. And in some ways, you're like, okay, well, is this some advice to ascend the ladder of success? No, no, no. And in other ways, it's like he just, it's a statement, so I don't want to go, you know, defining it too deeply. Any one of us, life's going to go on, the church is going to go on, everything's going to go on without us. I get it. But what he was doing, he was calling me up, specifically in the work of the church. He said, fulfill your role in the body so whenever you're not there, it matters. And whenever you are there, It matters. You know, oftentimes people assess assess the effectiveness of the church. I don't know if you've heard this little question, but I've heard it out a lot lately, and people use it, and it's one of those things that's out there, but they go, you know, maybe the best question to assess if our church is being effective is, if our church closed its doors, would anyone in the community notice? I'm like, oh, that's a good question, you know. I'd like to think that for us, yeah, people would notice but maybe the question sometimes needs to be applied to ourselves. If I if if I if you if we walked out of the church would it matter? Would it would the church miss me? Would it matter to the kingdom work being done if I'm there or not there? here's the deal. I just want you to know, if you walked out of the church, it would matter. We would miss you because you're first an individual and you're a human being and you're valued. Okay. But I will say this, all of us have to find our place and our purpose in the body to where we actually are making a difference for the kingdom, to where your presence matters and what you're doing matters. We have to find that. And if we feel like it's okay for us to just say, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I've failed too much. or I've, listen, jesus has always called the strugglers those who are weak those who have failed those who aren't good enough that's what jesus does is he calls them up and says you know what i'm not going to settle on you i'm not i'm just not going to settle on you i'm not going to say it's okay for you to do that anymore i'm going to call you up that's what jesus does he looks at every person who thinks they don't have anything significant to add to the kingdom and he says you know what it's not true I've, you're my child, and I've gifted you to actually do something that it will matter when you're there and when you're not. Jesus is calling you to more. A mentor called me up, and it changed my attitude and my passion, and it set me on a course in, our, in my life. And honestly, I, I see it as a turning point. And for those of you that feel like, well, you don't understand what I've done, I've messed up big time you know what, you're right, maybe I don't understand, but I'm not really trying to look at your track record. I'm looking at the track record of Jesus. And the track record of Jesus shows us that you are ripe for the moment to be called up. Because that's who he calls up all the time. (laughs) Those who are messed up. No matter what your failures or your struggles, Jesus loves you anyway. And Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to call you up to who you should be and who you could be, and nothing less. He never says, oh, well, they're a little too messed up. He never says, well, you're a four on an Enneagram, so therefore you're going to be a little self-absorbed, and that's okay. He never says that. It's, it, it's, it's not okay for us to say, well, this is my personality type, therefore I'm not, I'm not required to do more. We are called up in Jesus. For those who feel like they aren't enough, or you feel like you don't have what it takes, Jesus is totally into that. He's totally into people that don't feel like they have what it takes. That's like his, that's like his sweet spot. He's like, oh yeah, let's do this. He loves turning messes into messages Jesus is totally into taking ordinary people and making them do extraordinary things. That's what he does. Jesus is all about showing you immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. That is what Jesus likes to do the most. For those who are full of doubt and can't imagine actually putting all of your faith in Jesus, which I know there's people in here like that. Jesus said, all things are possible for the one who believes. And all you have to do is ask for it and believe that you've received it and it will be yours. All you have to do is ask for it and believe that you've received it and it will be yours. I believe for some of us it's time for us to actually receive what he wants to give us. We've doubted that he wants to give it to us and I'm telling you he wants to give it to you and you have to believe that he wants to give that to you, whatever that is. And for some of you, it's a salvation. It's time for you to believe. It's time to quit doubting God and quit doubting Jesus. It's time for you to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior because he wants to give you a gift. It's the gift of his presence. It's the gift of of an eternal inheritance with Jesus as a child of God. And today is the day. Now is the time to step through your doubts and to believe that he wants to give you something. For some of you, you're like, oh, I've already done that, but you've you've struggled to believe that God actually wants to give you more. And it's time to believe the Spirit actually. God wants to give you everything He has. Do you know that? Every good thing that God has, He wants to give it to you. His Spirit, when we ask Him for more, we can't do it in fear. Say, well, yeah, I want it, but I don't know if I want it. And for those who have fear, I believe God, but I'm so afraid. I'm afraid of going all in. I'm because here's here's what I know about us, and, and I know I'm kind of going, right? But we're good, we got time. I think a lot of us are afraid of going all in because we know we're smart enough to know that it will mean change. And it's like, wow, like if I actually step in, it's like I'm really stepping into faith and it's like I'm free-falling. Who knows what's happening? I got no ground. Here's the deal, we got ground. Jesus is our foundation, I get it, but it does feel like we're letting everything go. It's a surrender moment. For some of us, taking a step in Jesus, is unknown, it's like this passage in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding and in all your ways submit to him. All your ways submit to him. Last Sunday, um, Jesus, I said Jesus is calling us to a posture of leaning in. You guys remember that? Uh, This week, I believe, kind of along with that leaning in, Jesus is calling you up, which is, he's not calling you out, which is a big difference. He's calling you up. And this invitation to be called up is because he loves you. You know that. like It's because he wants to give you more. It's because he, you're his cherished child. It's because he's like, I want to fill him up with joy. I want, I want them to be overwhelmed with the goodness of who I am and what I'm doing in this world. I want their life changed for the good. And yet we fear the change. Yes, God, give me more, but I'm so afraid. And God's like, but you, you don't understand. Everything I have is good. And I want to give it all to you. You remember when he said that to the older son? Prodigal throws a party and he gets all upset. He's like, oh, why'd you throw my brother a party? He just went and squandered everything. That failure, right? He's like, hold on, hold on. I love him. He's my son. I'm bringing him back in. But I love you too. And everything I have is already yours. Everything I have is yours. Jesus is calling you up. He's not calling you out. It's an invitation because he's loved you. He's not finished with you. And he believes in you. And he wants to do things in you, around you, and through you. So, my friends, Jesus is calling you up because that's what he does. He takes failures. He takes strugglers. He takes those who are weak, those who feel inadequate, those who have doubts, and those who Who are full of fear and he says you're ripe for me to call you into more you're ready and that's the people he calls his friends by the way that's the people he draws close that's the people he says i want to release you into your destiny that's who he chooses and i just want to say one more word and then we're going to pray But I want you to make sure you heard when I said a little while ago, Jesus doesn't settle on you. He doesn't look at you and say, "Yep, why don't you just coast it out until you die? (laughs) Jesus is like, no. I'm not looking for people who are more perfect than you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you. You're the chosen one. You're the one I have in mind. You're the one I love. You're the one I'm calling up right now. Would you bow your heads with me? My guess is you have something. You've let be the excuse to stop you from leaning in, digging in, trusting God with more, submitting to him in all your ways. There's a good chance that you felt Jesus call you up before this moment, even. But every time you feel called up, it runs straight into something. This is just this is just what I'm thinking for some people in the room, maybe many of us in the room. But I I feel I like I want to lead us in a moment this morning in which we are praying to break some strongholds. We are praying to break some chains, as we sang earlier today. I, I believe that there's some that whenever you're like i'm being called up but you run into a wall and that wall is that wall is uh, is your doubts and you have these doubts that you just that's the thing that you run up against for some of you it's it's failure you have this 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 deep sense of failure that's happened in your life and when it comes to your spiritual life and you just you don't feel good enough for some of you it's a feeling of inadequacy you just you don't feel like you're as talented or you're as gifted or you're as Good enough, or whatever, and you have this inadequate sense about who you are. And so, the idea of God calling you into something more than what you're already doing just seems so far fetched for you. And some of you, it's fear. You have fears of change, you have fears of the unknown. And so, every time you feel called up to more, you run into this wall of fear. Here's what I want you to do. I want you, I'm going to go through this real quick again. I'm going to go through this list again because I think these are the strongholds we're praying against today. And if one of these is you, I just want you to lift your hand and we're going to pray for some freedom today. If the wall you hit when you're called up is doubt, just lift your hand. No one's looking around. If the wall you hit when you're being called up is a feeling of inadequacy. Just keep your hands raised, it's okay. You don't have to lift the way up, just a little bit raised. There's a feeling of inadequacy. Keep your hand raised for each one of these. You just don't feel like you measure up, you're ready, whatever, is smart enough. If the wall that you run into is, is failure, past failures you're like I don't know I don't know if I can get past that if the wall you run into is fear you fear change you fear the unknown just lift your hand up and I'm sitting here and there's two more that came to my mind right now I hadn't mentioned these yet if the wall you run into is a sin pattern you just keep running into the same sin over and over again and you need it to be, you need to be broken of it. And then the last one, if the wall you run into is unforgiveness, there's someone who's hurt you and you can't seem to get past that and you sit there in that. If you, if you raise your hand on any one of those, I know some of you put your hands back down, just lift your hand on any one of those that I've mentioned so far. We're just going to pray. Jesus, you change everything. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, in the power and the authority of Jesus right now, we pray that you would break some chains right now. That, Father, these chains would break and there would be, it would be no more. That, Father, as you want to call us up, we wouldn't be limited by these strongholds and these chains that keep us grounded into the sea of sameness but that we will be set free to soar like like we're on wings of eagles father that we are able to go where you want us to go do what you want us to do be who you want us to be father we pray this in the name of jesus we pray against fear lord fear certain types of fear Lord, you want us to overcome them and to just claim power over them, so we do pray for that. Lord, we also want to pray for those who feel inadequate, Lord, that they would feel confidence right now, for those who have doubt right now. We pray that you would plant a seed of faith right now and that, Lord, you would, we, wouldn't just up, we wouldn't just mow over these things and chop down the weeds, but, Lord, we pray like it's, we're getting down deep and uprooting up these things and throwing this stuff away. So, Lord, right now, I pray that there would be an uprooting of any of these strongholds so that, Lord, people would not, it would would be gone. It would be gone. We just pray that in the name of Jesus. We believe it. We believe that you can do anything. And it just, your word says, it's what we read together on Monday night and had a moment of unity around. For the one who believes, God, you can do anything. All we have to do is ask and believe that we've received it, and it will be done. And so we pray those things in the name of Jesus right now. Amen. Amen. Well, I know it's different. We don't usually pray like that at the end. We don't usually do that at the end. We usually sing at the end. But I just felt a conviction from the Lord that we wanted to pray today as our closing time of response, and specifically pray to break strongholds. I really believe that that some people have been set free right now. I don't I don't know who it is. I don't know how it is, but I'm believing it and if you're thinking it right now, receive it. You've asked for it and I receive it. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.